Hola, compadres, and welcome to episode 49 of Dad's Talking Dads. My name is Johnny. My name is Joel. My name is Tony. And this is a podcast about your favorite baseball team, the San Diego Padres. Today, we are giving our season predictions, but first, the number of the week. And guys, the number this week is 10. So anyone want to take a shot at what that number might represent? Hmm, riveting, riveting radio for the silence yes. while we think. Yes. But <laughs> So I, I, will co- I will come to a hasty guess, and guess it's the number of strikeouts for the Padres for the opening series oh, as a team. Be, that would be killer. I'm going to go number of walks in those, the first I three like games. I like both of those. Um, that is the number of positive COVID tests for Marlins oh. uh, players slash employees over the last two days. Oh, that threw um, me off. I thought it was 14. I know. You know what? Honestly, it, it might be 14 at this point. 10 was this morning, so who knows? There was four, I think, on Saturday, and yeah. then they decided to play another game, and now we're up to 10. I'm recording the rest of this podcast under protest. (laughs) (laughs) I'll allow it. Uh, A strong 40 seconds into the episode. (laughs) That's it. I'm out of air. Oh my god. Um, so yeah, uh, COVID. Yeah, we we were kind of even messaging about about it this morning um, that we were recording and we weren't even sure if there would be a season to record about by the time that we recorded um, because the, that news broke this morning and um, it's 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 a little wild. We're, we're we're still waiting to learn more about it. But what are your, what were your guys' thoughts this morning? At least when you had heard about it. I think our thoughts were similar, Tony. Do you want? I can go first if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I think every everybody on this podcast is probably thinking, "Well, there goes the season." Um, I, I just and it it turns out that they may hang on a little bit longer than any of us anticipated. Uh, but I mean, that was definitely my first reaction: was there, there's no way they keep us going if an entire team is going to be wiped off the board for two weeks at best. Yep, definitely similar. Um, I saw. I think it was only uh buster only tweeting about oh don't worry about games played if they have to cancel a whole bunch they could do it by winning percentage i'm just like man stop (laughs) stop eventually you have to get to a point and be like this is not normal this is not good this should stop that's probably the marlin's entire strategy for this season to make the postseason by the way (laughs) we play 15 games we get a winning percentage of like 700 (laughs) and we're in yes we're in (laughs) honestly if that were to happen would be pretty great but only if it, we did it yeah only if it didn't include the cost of human life to get there which i fear it may i think we all fear it may mm-hmm. yeah no i i definitely agree with you with you guys there um so far the season is still going as planned the owners met today apparently there was no talk of canceling the season or postponing the season no nope. uh, we shall see am i hearing that correctly there was no talk of canceling it like that just never no, even came they, up. I don't. I'm not sure. It was a tweet that I saw that there was there was no real um, discussion about it. I don't know if no one brought it up or if there was just a "there's absolutely no way this is happening" kind of thing. No talk. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, maybe someone will leak a, a transcript or something. This was. <laughs> be, I mean, I, this is going to be sort of tangential, right? But this is what I was worried about the most with 
the United States in particular reaction to the pandemic was the information put out there was we lock this down, we can uh, flat hashtag flatten the curve. And then, you know, by late summer, we should be okay. And so we did, we kind of half-assed that. And now it's like, well, it's late summer, time to get everything back and going. And they're kind of, everybody seems to be counting on that inertia of opening things back up that, well, we just can't shut things back down. We can't, it's late summer. You're supposed to open up in late summer. Here we go, we can't do it. <laughs> like, it's just, uh, I feel like baseball is but sort of a reflection of that, that sort of inertia. And like, we, we just have to keep it going. The show must go on, so to speak. It's it's frustrating from, from where I sit. I feel like, you know, I feel like scientists, epidemiologists, doctors all over are urging us to look at slowing things back down or even shutting back down. So I don't know. It, I don't think it bodes well for the way things are going to go for, you know, non-athletes and non-baseball players, people that are returning to work. But anyway, back to fun. Back to baseball. Sorry about that. <laughs> back to fun. No, no. I mean, I, 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 think you're, I think you're totally right on that. No, it's totally healthy, Joel. You got to let it out. I mean... Even this weekend, it was like, baseball's back, cool. And it was, to me at least, surprisingly normal watching mm-hmm. it, like uh, with a piped-in crowd noise and no fans and like cutouts. It's weird for like a couple innings, and then, of course, you become numb to it. You're just like, ah, baseball's baseball. <laughs> the only time it kept being not fun and not normal is... Oh, I don't know. Every time a runner gets on first base and is standing right next to the first baseman of the opposite team and they're not wearing masks or anything, and you're just like, oh, yeah, this this is not good. This is not normal. Yeah. And then you're allowed, and I think it's normal, to feel both fear and anger while also entertainment. It, it is a kind of nice release, but it is also... We're only allowed to have that release because we're so far past the rage point that there's nothing we can do. They are going to do this. They are going to just force their way into this attempt, and eventually it'll reach a stopping point. I don't know if that's a canceled season or a dead player or multiple dead players or a full season, and we get a World Series in an empty stadium, (laughs) which is a very bizarre thing to think about. But uh, that's where we are now. I completely agree with Joel about um, about your... um, kind of uh, assessment of the country as a whole kind of bleeding into baseball it's spot on yeah. it's like oh well we can't shut down now it's like you really can though you just don't want to <laughs> right yeah i mean gosh because we all it's such a tough thing because you know we all want to go back to our normal lives we all like watching baseball you know <laughs> like uh, it's that's what's so hard about it and you know people are doing things that i mean i i don't know if we need to be not leaving our homes you know what i mean there's there's things we can be doing that will allow us to do some of the things that we used to enjoy doing but there's just this antipathy or just straight up hostility towards wearing masks in public which makes it much harder and much more risky to do some of those things and then we're just one not willing to do the easiest of things to reduce spread of a virus and then two we don't want to accept the consequences of not doing one it's just we want it like three different ways all at once, and it's it's a recipe yep. for disaster in my yep. opinion. We, we want freedom with accountability, but you know what, guys? Freedom isn't free. <laughs> it's not free. And if you don't like it, you can get the hell out. Perfectly timed, Johnny. Way to lighten it back up. I appreciate that. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Them's the rules. Plain as, as day. Ron Thompson the rules. says, don't half-ass two things. Whole-ass one thing, America. Get your they shit are whole-assing it. They God are whole ass. Showing our whole ass. That's fair. Um, all right. So we'll move on. We'll move on to our season predictions. And um, do, sure. Yeah. Okay. Technically, the first series with the Diamondbacks is over. And 
you know, sure, technically some people like to put out these predictions before the season starts, but we are busy father, um, both daddies and doggy daddy. And <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we've got to find time to come together to, to record these. And so this was when we could do that. So deal with it. Complain to someone who gives a damn. Um, because we're gonna get into and that's these. the bottom line. We're gonna get in. That's the bottom line. Stone Cold said so. <laughs> so we're gonna hop into these predictions. And um, if if you were uh, listening last season as well, we had some some fun names planned out for these. Just to realize I don't have a name for the second one, so we'll we'll, we'll figure that out when we get there. But for the first one, it is our Father of the Year, aka our MVP, our Most Valuable Padre. And uh, Tony, since since I see your name there, I'm just gonna go to you first on that one. Who is your oh. Father of the Year for 2020? Oh my goodness, the honor, the pressure. I wasn't prepared. I I, I guess I'm just gonna have to go with Ian Kinsler, just on a whim, <laughs> top of mind. Most important person I can think of. I I really thought about keeping that bit going for this year, but I think he's just. It's time to put him in there forever. So I will retire that bit. Um, my choice is gonna be Manny Machado. I think it was kind of tempting to choose him for a couple other awards, but I think he's going to have a little bit of a rebound from a good, not great first season with us. Uh, I think we see an uptick in all of his numbers. I think we see great defense stay. I mean, we've kind of already seen that in the first season. It just really highlights how some difficult plays just look completely effortless by him, and it's such a just feel really lucky. You know, like the abused fans we are. We're just like, oh my gosh, a functional <laughs> infielder. We're so lucky. And he's just so much better than functional that it's really, really a nice cornerstone for a franchise to have. And uh, I think he's going to be, in terms of just pure value, whether you measure that by war, which is kind of a funky stat in this abridged year where stats are going to be very, very weird. Um, however you want to define value, I think he is, if not at the top, right near this team. So um, yeah, no feel oh, free. Go ahead. I say Joel goes next. <laughs> <laughs> so Tony took my prediction. Um, I was also going to say Machado for MVP. So instead of doing that, I'm going to kind of talk through my thought process on um, the guy I was on the fence uh, for picking instead of Machado, which would be Baby Goat, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, so the storyline I have in my head for uh, Tatis being the MVP of the team this season is that you know he. Uh, basically cuts back on the strikeouts. Uh, he continues to have the game-breaking speed that he's uh, shown us in his first season, and then he starts to fill into that frame a little bit more, and some of the power numbers start to show up a little bit uh, higher frequency, um, and he just becomes this sort of, uh, gosh, he becomes that five-tool monster that we uh, were hoping he's going to be, we know he's going to be. Um, the reason I was leaning Machado is I don't think this year is when that happens, um, and this is a theme through some of my other predictions as well. I think this is going to be a year where he learns how, that he needs to adjust in the majors. Um, it's going to be, I think he's going to have some slumps. Um, I think he's good enough and he's got the talent to sort of power through some of them. So I think he's still going to end up with a good year. But I think Machado, is, is, it's still his team this year. Um, and I think Tatis will probably take on the mantle, if not next year, then the year after that for sure. Um, as they sort of diverge, right? Because, you know, Machado is, he's still young, obviously, but he'll be getting older by that point. And then Tatis will just be, again, he'll be hitting, you know, age 20, God, 22, 23. He's still so young. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so that was the the sort of parallel universe where I would see Tatis being the MVP of this, uh, this year, is if he was able to just sort of instantly make those adjustments. Whereas I think he's going to have to, he's going to hit a little bit of a learning curve there. I think just about all players do in their second year, third year. 
Um, hopefully not third year, hopefully just the second season, but with only 60 games this year, if that, it might be, you know, third year where he starts to learn about making those adjustments. No, I think, I think that's a really good point, too, with, with the adjustments there, because I feel like that kind of that sophomore slump is usually, you know, guys kind of start figuring you out more, and, and he did have some time on the DL, so I feel like there was even less information on him than, than normal from a rookie that would, you know, had he, you know, played that whole season, you know, just get a little more tape on him, so... Uh, yeah, I do think there will be some little bit of struggle this year, but I think either of those, yeah, are, are are probably solid picks. I think my guy is, completes that trio of everyone's top three most likely for the father of the year, uh, which mine was uh, Tommy Pham. The speedster, four stolen bases already on the seat. Um, I, I think he will be a very, not I think, it seems that he is already a very good influence on the clubhouse um, just with his professionalism um and he seems just very very focused when he is you know on the field um just in the interviews and and just kind of things that i've seen online um and seems very dedicated and and disciplined when it comes to baseball um and that's absolutely the kind of attitude that that i want in the clubhouse um in addition to you know a lot of the other guys that are in there but but i think him in particular he just he seems like one of those guys who's just focused on the prize focused on winning constantly um and and he is a an on-base machine um i think in his first really good season with the cardinals he was uh 300 on, uh 300 batting average 400 on base 500 slugging um and has just i mean i think career is like a 373 on base like that um so he's exactly what aj was looking for to add to this team and i think that the the, the value he'll bring will be especially noticeable um this season just kind of and we, we've kind of already seen that with guys getting on base more and that seems the mo much more often so i think he'll really be a good embodiment of that so uh my choice is fam but i feel like yeah i was kind of vacillating between manny or or tatis as well um those were kind of my main three but i ended up just kind of landing on fam um because i just i like the cut of his jib i'll say this yeah i like fam he comes from one of my least favorite franchises but one of the most disciplined franchises in all of baseball st louis cardinals he played there for four mm-hmm. years uh actually part of five years um before he went mm-hmm. to the rays um so yeah to, to hear that he's having a really good uh impact on the clubhouse uh culture is not a surprise to me considering where he came from um i will say this if tommy fam is the best player on the team this year i'm going to be pretty disappointed um <laughs> small sample size yeah well I, I think would play into that scenario a little bit but yeah that that would sting a bit if tommy fam is the mvp of the padres in uh, twenty. you'd have to have a really really good season for that to like yeah, I, I mean, I'd love it for yeah. it to be a scenario where Manny has a great year and Tatis has a great year and then Fam has just like a transcendent renaissance season that nobody can really touch. That would be a great scenario. <laughs> I just, I feel like that's not the scenario that's going to play. Now you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or it would have to be something where it's like he's taking 100% advantage with no fat lost of batting cleanup and just happens to hit homer after homer every single time has insane luck with crazy rbi yeah. just like everything lines it's in like place where it's like everybody else was 450 good or something crazy like that <laughs> yeah like everybody was good but he was incredible like i mean i'd welcome it but uh joel your counter argument is definitely a good it's one true it's a good point Good point. We'll see. Um, so my next one here, I haven't got a name for it, but I'm going to make up a name right now. This is called the Coors Light. Uh, this is for AKA the best pitcher. 
Wow. Oh, God. That's a stretch, my friend. <laughs> the Cy Young. It's too late. It's going in the show notes. Did you pull a muscle sketch in that fight? Excellent work. All right. Um, uh, Joel, feel free to, to start us off on, on your uh, Coors Light of yeah. the year. Yeah, speaking of names that are going to be really disappointing if they're at the top of the list, uh, Garrett Richards is my pick for Cy Young for this year. Um, this fits in with my theme of making adjustments in second season, so I think Paddock is going to have a good year. I think he's going to find – he's a two-pitch pitcher. He's trying to incorporate a curveball. I think he's going to have some struggles uh, as he figures out that third pitch. Um, so, again, I think at the end of the 60-game season, he's going to have some respectable numbers, but I don't think he's going to be the best pitcher on this rotation because he is trying to you know, kind of get to another level in his development, and that's going to come with some struggles on top of the second year. People kind of have a book on you now. You got to figure out how to pitch effectively when they know what you're going to offer. Yeah, I mean, he he is adding the new. I know he, he's tightened up the curveball, and I think he's adding a cutter. I believe is what Paddock added. But oh, so he's yeah, good. I, so I, that I think make those him are, have four pitches now because I know he was always that fastball yeah, change. Up yeah, yeah. So he had the fastball and the Vulcan change, and then he added the curve last year, and it got kind of loopy. And now he's kind of tightened it up, and it's more of like a twelve six, okay. which I think will help his fastball, but. The, the the cutter slider is still he hasn't it's it's still really early and he hasn't used it in game so I, I I kind of agree with you there because like if that curve goes and the fact that he doesn't have that that cutter yet he's still I mean if he does end up going back to just relying on two pitches yeah I, I think he may end up having a worse year this year than he did last year because but again I, I'm can't. okay with that if it you know if it's installing two new pitches that are gonna take him again to that next level to where he is yeah just a perennial one two guy um, hopefully two to another up and comer but 12 <laughs> yeah. 12 12 times no big deal <laughs> for paddock um, but yeah no I, 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 I was I was actually thinking about Richards too um, Tony who is your Coors um, I actually agree with everything that Joel said except for the pick. But I think the logic with Paddock is spot on. I think that's definitely going to happen. I think you saw a little bit of it in the first game, actually. He kind of labored those first couple of innings, and that's not necessarily working on the pitches so much as just uh, there's going to be some growing pains there, I think. You don't have the advantage of being uh, brand new to the league where there's not a lot of film that other teams have. People definitely know your stuff, especially when you only have two, uh, you know, predominantly two pitches obviously if they're good they're still good but there's just a lot of tape for teams to study and they know you're the number one so they're going to study um which leads me to picking uh Denelson Lamette as my Cy Young I think I like he is just filthy it's he has absolutely filthy stuff I mean he had eight K's in his first game he was touching a hundred it's just it seems unfair it's like when the con- there's some control issues, but if it's on, it's like it's just good luck. It looks so difficult to be in the box against him, and it hurts to say because it seems like Hedges is going to be catching him more frequently this year, which really is just an, the antithesis to everything I want in the Padres in 2020. But <laughs> if that means Lamette having some gnarly numbers through this weird season, I am all for it. Um, really really think he takes that next level kind of opposite of what um you were talking about paddock i think last season lamette kind of went through that coming back off of injury having the innings limit getting a feel for a lot of those pitches back 
I think he kind of has it, and two or three starts into this season, should we get that far, I think he will really kind of uh, take the next step and possibly even become our number one while Paddock kind of settles into that role. But, I mean, to have those two fighting for one and two at their age, on their contract, with so much potential, is the best problem to yeah, have. I love that. Um, Lamed is also my pick, um, pretty much for you know, all, the, all the reasons you were saying. I mean, mostly it's just the filthy stuff. Um, and the fact that in a 60-game season, I mean, I, I actually like both of our, like, Joel, I like your pick for Richards, and I like and I like Lamette specifically for that because um, they're both coming off the Tommy John. But, I mean, in a 60-game season, you're making, what, 10 starts? You're pitching, you know, not even, I mean, in general, like, you'd maybe, you know, max out at 70 innings. But this year in yeah. particular, I feel like guys are going to go even shorter. So, I mean, who, who you know, anyone can throw a 60-inning season, basically. Um it just depends on how you distribute that, whether it's a starter or, or a reliever. Um, but but yeah, I feel like either guy will be able to just you know he, he's got all, all three probably have just much longer leashes and and I love what I saw at Alamet in this start. I mean it was it was just ridiculous. He was all over pitching Ninja. Um, he had a nice sword K. Saw that one and yeah, um, yeah I, I like Lamet as well. Worth pointing out that Garrett Richards also made it onto pitching Ninja this weekend. Uh, his curve looked. Uh, great it, it's something where you we've seen so little of him for the past few years that you forget oh yeah he's a bona fide ace when he's healthy <laughs> it's just the curve is it looks just as good as it ever has i love so. that um oh, let me add my pick in there so show notes cool all right this next one <laughs> i enjoy this is called i gotta go to the bathroom and this is for the reliever of the year so i'll go first i'll just continue the rotation um my reliever of the year it's it's a bit off the beaten path i think it's gonna be pierce johnson and i know i know (laughs) again probably a bad year if this happens (laughs) but uh no this is based off of literally one thing um i went to a spring training game and i sat behind home plate and his curveball is amazing looking like it has got ridiculous horizontal and vertical break on it that it and it's like tight and it just like whoop. Um, James uh, it, Johnny, are you trying to put a like a, a virtual resume out there to be a scout for the Padres? This is what, what the <laughs> is on the I sat behind home plate. I took very detailed notes. Very detailed, <laughs> notes. very organized. Is he good body um, or bad body? Yeah. Does he have an ugly girlfriend? <laughs> He's he looking nice. He looking nice. Um, <laughs> strong legs, strong legs. He, uh, but no, I, I just it's just one of those random things. I think bullpens are weird, and just some guys randomly have a really, really, really good season, kind of out of nowhere, as we've seen, especially here. Um, and he already has a lot of really good. Uh, not talking about his body, but core things. That that are good, like he's he's already got you know good good um, good pitches, good mechanics, and I feel like he just needs that little extra to kind of push him over. And we tend to be good at, at helping pitchers with that. So I, I just decided to make Pierce Johnson my reliever of the year because I figured you guys wouldn't take him, and um, <laughs> and that's where I am. Bet, my friend. Uh, I can guarantee yeah. you, I didn't oh, pick yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> Uh, Tony, who's your reliever of the year, and why isn't it Pierce Johnson? 
I'll be honest, I forgot he was on the roster until you said it like a minute ago. <laughs> I completely forgot about him. I didn't know he existed until I started preparing for the podcast today. I was looking at the roster. <laughs> Pierce Johnson, so, okay. You're like, Pierce Johnson? What the fuck is that? <laughs> so that's why he's not Joel or I's pick, <laughs> apparently. Uh, I chose Matt Strom. I think uh, it based purely off of usage. I think he's going to get a lot of um, long relief looks this year i think uh with this funky season and uh, kind of a larger emphasis on the bullpen it seems uh, i think you we're gonna see him go in there for if not full innings possibly more than an inning uh inning and a half to two it seems like the padres really want to use hill as kind of the uh specialty guy especially because i think he's a less talented picture or pitcher than Strom, so it's like if you want a single out, kind of like when you have two outs and your lefties come in and you use him to get out of the inning and kind of get around that must-face three batters rule, I don't think you really have to worry about that as much with Strom. I think his stuff is strong enough to where if he has to get multiple outs, he can, and I think he's kind of just been a reliable option for the Padres for a little bit now, and I think that's going to kind of stay uh, this year, and I think he kind of steps up a little bit with the bullpen injuries that we've had thus far. We always do, but uh, that was my pick. Kind of a kind of a boring pick, I think, but I just think we'll see him step up. However, if I'm wrong, I would love to be wrong because it means somebody else has really stepped up, and I would love to... If Pierce Johnson is the reliever of the year, I would be <laughs> super pleased with that. From not Barely. even in my mind at all to suddenly top of mind. <laughs> um, no, that's that's, that's I, I've actually got Strom for for something else later on. So that is, I'm on the Strom train as well. Hype for him to be in the bullpen. Um, Joel, who is your uh, got to go to the bathroom 2020? So I can't really get too into the details as to why I picked this player um, because that's going to have to come later on in the show. I and with this pick, this means that none of us have picked Kirby Yates, which is shocking. I'm going with Emilio Pagan. Um, so I, I think he's going to be a pivotal player in uh, our pitching staff, and I have to leave it at that for now. Uh, That's okay. We'll we'll to be continue that at the uh, at the bold predictions part of the podcast. I will say before people get their pitchforks raised, I think none of us picked Yates because it's just well, yeah, of course. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> the super boring pick. I mean, it's just there's nothing yeah. to be said with that pick. So I think we're trying to make a good show here. Folks. To an extent, we want to be a little entertaining, <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. Uh, nice little peek behind the curtain. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, not to mention. Uh, don't want to say it, but he is an unrestricted free agent after the season, and if he gets traded mid-season, he probably couldn't be our reliever of the year. Fair. Yeah. Why do you put that in the universe, John? I, Why'd you do that? You know. Why you do this? <laughs> Sorry. That Sorry, is guys. Not, that is not very kawaii of you, John. Not, that, is, that is not very, very... Uh, Bad vibes. Relax, brah. Bad vibes, bro. <laughs> be taken by a wave tonight. <laughs> Gone. Okay. Um, yeah. So, I mean, plus, you know, he, he had a bad... He had a bad first outing, so obviously, you know, that was smart. None He's of us chose. Scrub. Yeah. It's not a game season. That's going to up his ERA by like two. DFA. All yeah. closers should be great when we put them in in non-safe situations. <laughs> that was always that was that was Trevor's like. Um, I remember. I remember watching games. Kryptonite as well. Call it. We'd Anytime. Like, oh, we lose. Literally. We lose. We. Thanks, Bochi. Yeah. Don't bring in Linebrink, who can like actually pitch a goddamn tie game. Bring in Hoffman, who always gives. Anyway. Anyways, next one here. I love this. I think. Uh, I think Tony, you you named this one, and I like this one a lot. Uh, this is called. Actually, 
I'll let you do it. Is this the shake it off, son? Yeah. Uh, most positive COVID tests slash, and I think this is probably the more accurate one, most time on the COVID yeah. IL. And I guess I'll go first, leading right into this. Uh, I mean, we, we've already had a... Uh, well, I guess we've had two, including uh, Jorge Mateo, but he's so... He was barely a Padre when that test yeah. came through. He, <laughs> I guess it counts. But we've already had fam on the COVID IL. But I think that this award, if you can call it that, has to go to East County's own Greg Garcia. <laughs> Simply by virtue of being from East County. That is the end of my argument. I rest my case. I wholly support it. <laughs> um, I don't think there's any further explanation needed. Joel, What do you? Uh, who's your guy? Well, I will say that this brings up the age-old argument. Is Ramona North County or is it East County? Because there are people in both camps. I've always considered it North County, but there are people that consider Ramona East County. As a former resident, I call it North County. Thank you. I, I would agree, but it's wearing east county attire <laughs> yes. just straddling the line right? yes. definitely yeah it, it is north but like it's i mean el cajon and ramona are 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 very different vibes you know if we're gonna go all california here just different vibes man lakeside and ramona different vibes man like it's just it's yeah it's east but if you guys look it's also <laughs> oh my god so um, so there <laughs> now that that's settled, we put that to bed. Um, so my, my choice for uh, this uh, Shake It Off Sun, most time on the COVID IL list award, quote unquote, um, is going to be, I feel like this is a really good fit for this uh, this player, uh, Will Myers. I feel like he's just <laughs> he's just the kind of guy to wear. <laughs> he's just not really going to care. Like He's going to be pretty laid back, and I feel like he's going to find himself testing positive. I feel like he's the guy who's going to be completely asymptomatic, though. And we'll just come right back. Um, <laughs> and just infuriatingly, it'll just all bounce off of him. Um, of course, I don't wish anything ill on Will Myers at all. That would be horrible. I don't want anybody to take any more time on the COVID IL. Um, but that said, yeah, I feel like if it has to go to one player, I just feel like Will Myers is tailor-made for that. But Both good choices. Mine mine is a bit contradictory because I'm still going with Tommy Pham, even, <laughs> even though I think he'll be my most valuable Padre. Um he he um from what it <laughs> seems from what the online chatter is um he's just a he just a guy who kind of likes to have his fun and Would you um, say he's not a that party he's dude, a you know he's a bit of a party dude he he likes pizza and uh, <laughs> he he just likes to he he seems to just like to go out and have fun um from from what i've read online so that alone is is informed me to make my choice um, for Tommy Pham. I know Austin Hedges, I feel like, was in the running. He had that, that pool party picture. I considered it, um, but but I just went with Pham because he just seems like a guy who you can't really... He's unshakable, you know? COVID's not going to shake him. The chaos of picking him for this award as well as MVP is real <laughs> 2020 energy, Johnny. <laughs> It's like he's the MVP, plays 40 games, hits like 280. Like, go Padres. Hopefully Jorge Mateo ends up winning this award and like that one time on the COVID IL was it and we're good and we don't have anything after that. But it just doesn't doesn't seem like that. Yeah, knock on knock on this dresser. Um, All right, next award. Next uh, uh, prediction, I guess. I shouldn't call them awards because we're not giving them out yet. Um, no, why did, you guys got to work for these. Why did we do that? I, it was probably me. 
I think at some point I just started using a different yeah, word. Yeah, we, we just rolled with it, though. We did. <laughs> we like to give a them out at awards. the beginning and never change them. At the end of the season, we just have to stick with them. We give you the award, but if you don't win, we take it away at the end of the season. <laughs> Sorry, we're taking this back. Like a That's king of the, the hill system. situation. <laughs> I, I love that system. It's perfect. Oh, my gosh. All right, so our next one here may have already been decided. Um... But we're gonna we're gonna pontificate on it anyway, and this is called the biggest poppy. <laughs> this is the most at bats at I... DH. Uh, who is gonna get the most at bats at DH? Um, Joel, let's start it with you. Let's do it. Okay. Um, most at okay. So I'm the controversial pick. So going first is gonna be fun. Um, most at bats at DH. Pride of San Diego State University. Ty France. Yeah, Johnny wants to throw up right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tony, Ty, nothing personal. Tony's not looking much better over there. Um, yeah, I would love it to be Naylor, but from what I saw in the first game of the season of him, or his first DH appearance, which I think was game two, um, not great, Bob. Uh, so he's <laughs> he's not making the best case for himself to play at DH. Uh, I feel like a guy like Ty France, who is sort of a, an every position kind of journeyman guy, would fit in pretty well as a DH. I think he's just the sort of milk toast player that's going to get a lot of ABs at DH um, when we have a brand new position in the National League. Um, I think it could be a really good fit for a lot of players. I think Will Myers could be a really good fit there since he's had trouble um, on the defensive side uh, of things. Uh, struggled in the outfield, but we played him there. Mightily struggled at was it third base where we put him for a little while two years ago. <laughs> I was ago. thinking about that yesterday. I was like, oh my God. You can... So, yeah, I mean... <laughs> But yeah, I, yeah, I feel like France is the most likely guy to have the most at bats at, at DH, um, despite some other options that I think the fans in general and that we on the show would like to see over him. I, I think it's the lay of the land right now. Thanks, I hate it. Happen. <laughs> no, it's <clears throat> uh, that's that's what it's looking like so far, unfortunately. So, I mean, Mejia um, would be great. There are many great options, and I hate to do this to you, Johnny, but I, too, picked Ty France for this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And, I thought I was going to be on an island. And man. it makes this bit even funnier that <clears throat> Joel and I have both settled on this. But I, I completely agree with Joel. It, I don't really get the infatuation with Ty France. I think the logical reason is what Joel said. He plays many positions. I don't think he plays any of them particular like well but he plays them and he just kind of seems like the ho-hum choice that would become the Padres flavor of the month I, I just I can't really describe it I think it's only knowable to true Padres fans you look at it and you're like that's the guy he's gonna be the guy there are many better options <laughs> but that's gonna be the guy and I hope I'm wrong I hope this is the turning point where yeah. the Padres abandon their old ways like they seem to be doing in many other aspects but when it came to this award I just it, it I couldn't resist the bland malaise of Ty France as most at bats for DH. It's, and if he tears it up, then great. It doesn't change my opinion that it's just like, oh well, good. Okay. It is such a distinctly like Padres thing that there's like this organizational buzz about Ty France that nobody can from the outside can seemingly explain. It's just yes. something that happens with the Padres and we're we're yes. just all like why? We're the meme with the you know the the guy smiling with the question marks and confusion. Like we're just like, yes. France. Okay. Yes. I think that's the that, last that's time exactly. I'm going to try to reference a meme on this podcast because that was not no. good. But 
it's perfect. I'll let it stand for this one, but yeah, that was a bad idea. <laughs> They're not great, Bob. The, yeah, it's perfect. Uh, yeah, and I had to push um, it. I had to push the uh, the envelope, and I farmed. But that's all right. That's why we do this. This is your play. Yes. Um, so if you guys can believe it, I picked Josh Naylor. Um, I'm shocked. I didn't mean to do that while you were drinking. Shocked. Uh, no, but I was actually surprised that no one chose Edward Olivares after the kind of good start in spring he had. We'll so, get to him. Oh, good, 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 good. Because, um, yeah, there's a couple things coming up that I think he could fit into. So, uh, But, yeah, I was surprised no one went with Olivares. But I am still going to go with Naylor. Um, I know that that opener was horrific. Um, he went 0 for 4 with 2 Ks and 4 left on base. As did... Um, I want to say there was like legit there was four or five people in that game who went 0 for 4 with four left on base. Um, so I know he had a bad game, but like so did many others, and the bullpen gave up four runs in the last. Two. So I know we want to you know crucify him for having a shitty start, but um, I, I I don't think we I'm want to. I think maybe we did crucify. Him. That's true. You did. Yeah. Everyone has already crucified <laughs> he's, him. And I'm he's on the him cross down right the cross. now. <laughs> yeah. I'm. I've got a. I've got a, a, a hammer and a. It's got that back part to pull out the nails. So I'm. I'm coming for you. You should probably stay away from Padres um, Reddit for a while, buddy. <laughs> yeah. No. I know. I've. I, I. I. I uninstalled Reddit a little while back, but I. Padres Twitter is equally as like just going in on 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 the poor fella. But what what frustrates me so much is that he was essentially a DH first baseman. And then he slimmed down because they wanted him to play the outfield because they signed a first baseman. But now they'd also like him to DH because they're not going to play him in the outfield. So I feel like they just kind of like yo-yoed him. And he was hitting well at the at the you know the size that he was before. I mean, just I think he had just you know gotten the mechanics down. Everything was working. He seemed to have lost a good thirty pounds um, and like toned up a bunch. And I don't know if that has affected his mechanics at all. I just haven't really seen much of him. Um, so I think there is going to be a little bit more of an adjustment for him. But I just, like you guys were saying, I don't get the Ty France stuff. Like, I don't understand. I think it was might have been AJ saying the other day that, like, if Hosmer sits, France will probably get the starter first. And it's like, why? He's a third baseman. Why are we playing him out of position when you have another left-handed hitting first baseman on the roster? What is the point of doing that? Like, why have Naylor on the roster? Like, is it? I, I don't understand of having him just on the roster to pinch hit. Um, I feel like France is almost maybe maybe the better option there um, because he 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 can play third. He apparently has practiced at second um, and is able to play first. But we have someone who actually knows how to play first and like seems to just all around be a better hitter. Um, I know France did really well in Triple H with the with the rabbit ball, but. I just think I yeah, I think Naylor's a better overall player um, than France, and so I hope the Padres get it together and figure it out, and and that that one game didn't kind of ruin his whole season. But we'll see. Do you guys want to hear some really skewed stats on Josh Naylor that are going to look really terrible? Oh no! God, yes. While he's on the cross, Joel, you monster! <laughs> but yes, I do. Does that make me Put the guy with tomatoes with away? The spear? Um, so his K percentage so far in the 2020 season: fifty percent. Waited. His WRC plus negative one hundred. Oh no! He's an anti-baseball player right now. Average oh zero on base percentage zero, slugging yeah. zero. Listen, guys. All right. As of right now, he's at he he he's on pace for you know technically two hundred and forty men left on base for the season, but <laughs> his BABIP is zero, and I, I know how this works, right? Regression to the mean means that he's going to be <laughs> infinitely better. 
right? That's how that works. He hits a thousand the rest of the season. I'm pretty sure that's how the maths work. The math checks out. Yes, that's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, I I just want to say I do feel really bad for Naylor, uh, Johnny. You uh, explained the problem perfectly. It it seems like the Padres just have this or have had this problem. I, I want to put this in the past tense with the hope of it truly being in the past but there have been instances of just mm-hmm. seemingly the mishandling of prospects where it's they seem so set up for a clear road to where they're going to play with the Padres and then unnecessarily there become a ton of turns in the road and it's like well, what the hell they there's a straight path why didn't you just follow the straight path and I think we've seen it with a few prospects before we're kind of seeing it with Mejia where it's like just let him swing the way he wants to swing stop trying to tone it down if he wants to swing out of his shoes Go ahead and let him do it. The bat speed is fast. He can catch up to most things, and they're trying to mellow that down for reasons I don't exactly see. And with Naylor, it's the same thing. Slimming down is, I think, a good thing for him, and he looks to be in great shape, and he's, like, sneaky fast, which is great, and, I mean, it's it's why he had that base running gaff over the weekend. He quite literally, too fast, he slid right past the bag. Um, I'm willing to chalk that up to just preseason not preseason, uh, early season jitters. Just, you know, he, he only gets one at bat every four games. Like, how can you expect anybody to be successful with that much pressure, I think? And I think it's it might be a problem the Padres have where it's you have four pseudo DHs with France and maybe Oliveres and Naylor, and they played Profar at DH today, which I don't have a problem <laughs> with, but it's just kind of like, it really reeks of a team not knowing what to do with a position. It's like, well, we'll just yeah. kind of try all of them. It's like, well, I don't <laughs> I don't know that that's the best strategy. So I hope they find a sticking place for him and just leave him alone and let him settle in because I think we all on the podcast have confidence that he'll be a good player once he settles in. It's just the, the yanking around is, it seems to be getting to his head a little bit, maybe. It's not cool, man. Bad, bad vibes. Bad, bad vibes, bro. <laughs> A lot of vibe checks on today's podcast. Brighter days ahead for Josh Naylor. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. He'll be great. I mean, there's nowhere to go but up. <laughs> you can't have a negative batting average. Joel coming back to kick him one more time. <laughs> yes. He can't get worse. <laughs> All right. He so can just be this bad to... longer. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That is true. So our next potential award, we'll call the potential awards now. Uh, that kid can hustle. Uh, that's for the most surprising player. Um, who's going to surprise us this season? Tony, I'll start with you. So I wanted to go with a surprising pick for this one. So I went with uh, Jake Cronenworth, the Ooh. newly uh, dubbed Padre from this offseason, acquired from Tampa Bay, two-way player. Um, he just made his debut this weekend. He hit a double, a ringing double, which is great. Uh, they also used him as a pinch runner in a inning i don't think he actually uh made good on that i don't think he had an opportunity to do the running of the pitch running but it was interesting to see him subbed in there Uh, i think it was for hosmer when he was on second and this is mostly just i want this to happen i think it would be really cool for a two-way player to kind of become successful on the padres no i'm definitely not still thinking about shohei otani possibly becoming a padre from years ago there is no bitterness or anger (laughs) deep-seated inside of me, hoping that Cronenworth becomes poor man's Shohei Otani, but I just think it would be a fun, cool, uh, very futuristic baseball thing for the Padres, a very young team, to have a young two-way player that actually works. And granted, the second part of the two-way, the pitching, that might just be like 
mop-up duty or like long relief or blowout games or whatever, but it would still be fun and interesting to see. I think it kind of, in my mind, falls in line with seeing uh, Javi Guerra come out this weekend, and I was like, whoa, I kind of forgot that experiment happened, and here it is actually <laughs> happening in front of me. It, it, it really made it to the conclusion. So I put Cronenworth here. I hope he has a surprisingly viable season as a two-way that doesn't necessarily mean mvp numbers but just actually being used as a two-way player which to me would be surprising because they- no, that's fair i i would i would love to see that and i think shohei otani would be lucky to be a poor man's jay cronenworth wow mm. wow right. that right. is pretty pretty big praise i would right say in their face um <laughs> joel who is gonna surprise you and us this season so the name of this potential award slash prediction slash award uh, it sort of implies that it's a younger player. Um, so I'm, I'm going against the grain here. I'm picking a guy who's got a little bit more time under his belt. I'm going with a veteran here. Drew Pomeranz is a player I've always oh. liked a lot. Uh, he had one of his best seasons, uh, if not his best season, in San Diego. Uh, his age 27, uh, 2016, he actually played for looks like multiple teams that season. But uh, his time in San Diego, he had a 2.47 ERA, 1.059 whip. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he was pretty solid, and he, I think he was pitching in a starting role All that star. time. He's now a reliever, but he's available to start as well. Um, so I think he's going to have, um, he's going to find that sort of San Diego good vibes mojo um, and start playing some of his better <laughs> ball um, later in his career. Uh, and that's going to make him the most surprising player on the Padres in this really strange, bizarre, short and I like that good. pick. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like he, because his numbers last year were not good. I know he seemed to kind of start to figure it out in the bullpen in the second half. But yeah, if he does continue that, I think that would absolutely be surprising because he had, yeah, he's kind of been like a four or five ERA guy. And, and um, yeah, I mean, if he, if he comes through clutch, that is actually a really good thing this team because that is our, I feel like our two inning kind of fireman that we've been looking for for years. My most surprising uh, player for this season pick is Trent Grisham. Uh, I was initially crushed when the Arias trade happened, and now I am uh, very much in on Trent Grisham now that I've kind of seen him more and read about him more and seen all of the smart fantasy baseball people get super, super hyped on him. Uh, that has kind of helped me dig a little more, get past my my broken heart, and look at Trent Grisham a bit more. Um, I know he went back to the old swing, and it's more like a golf style um, hand grip swing uh, that suits him much better. I think there's someone else in the Padres doing that, but he's looked more, um, he, he, or he has looked comfortable this season um, and he is a big on-base guy. So another, um, another guy that, that um, I think AJ was kind of hunting for getting that on-base in the outfield. Um, so he's a big on-base guy. He's, I believe, so far has got an on-base of somewhere around 500 right now if we want to go with those crazy early season stats. Um, and, yeah, and, and turned around really well on a um, on a fast, on fast an inside fastball today. Hit it for his first home run as a Padre. So very exciting uh, for young Trent. So he'll um, he's doing great in center field. Already I like him better than Manuel Margot um, just because it's not so damn frustrating when he's at the plate. Um, and he had a really nice catch, actually, the first game. Um, and it was one of, the, I think it was about a 10% catch probability there, and, and, and he was able to make that. So uh, Grisham is my pick uh, for the most surprising. Good pick. I like him. 
All right, next one here. Another name, another another uh, award name that I like. This is called the. Oh! I did that right. Uh, that is for the most homers. Ho oh! ho! Damn, that was good. Uh, who's gonna hit the most home runs on the team? <laughs> Sorry, I'm just so proud of myself when I think of these. I love wordplay. I love it I, so much. I love that you're your own hype man, Tony. <laughs> Joel and I's jobs are even easier. We just sit back and let you just do it yourself. <laughs> I've I've said for years that I like I I laugh hardest at my own jokes. Like for sure. Like I crack myself up more than almost anyone else. Uh, it's really ridiculous. Probably a little sad, but it's okay. So the most homers, um, who's going to hit the most homers? Pretty easy. Uh, Joel, I'll have you lead on that one. Sure. Uh, I think uh, most homers is going to be the same player as my MVP pick, and it's going to be Manny Machado. Um, mm. One of my more boring picks on the show today. Um, again, I think to Tony's point from earlier, when he picked Machado as well, um, he had a good season in a vacuum for you know any MLB player, um, but kind of a down year for Manny Machado. Uh, so I think he's going to turn that around this season. Kind of, uh, he's you know got his feet under him a little bit in San Diego, got his bearings. I think he's going to now start to turn it around and be the Manny Machado we all expected when we you know paid three hundred million dollars to get him here. Um, so I, I think that's going to uh, pay dividends in the form of a lot of homers. I mean, a lot of extra bases in general, but I think he's he's the most likely player to hit the most homers. I'm going to go team. second because I also have Manny um, for those reasons. And as well, I think the um, guys around him that are getting on base, um, I mean, just having Fam, having Grisham, another year of Tatis, and apparently Eric Hosmer is good now, which, which we'll talk uh, another time if that's still going on the next time that we record. But... If if all if you have that around Manny, that is only going to help Manny. And and if you have these guys who are on base threats, people aren't going to try to pitch around him anymore. People aren't aren't gonna you know uh, just get past him to try to get to Myers or you know Kinsler or something like that. So there there's actual repercussions, especially if we bat him too. You don't want to pitch around him and get to Fam. You don't want to you know if Hosmer's doing well, pitch around him and get to Hosmer. Um, or even maybe Dirksen Profar, who was also doing all right. So um, the pitchers can't pitch around him anymore um they're gonna have to go after him and, and he's gonna absolutely take advantage of of their mistakes so yeah i i agree hard agree on that i think it's manny um how about you tony so i actually did not go machado for this and i have a few reasons uh i picked tatis and my reasoning Ooh. kind of builds off of what joel was talking about earlier of filling out the frame a little bit and maybe this is too hasty maybe it's next year or the year after uh, like Joel was saying, but I think when the season is a sprint, it only takes one really hot streak for you to set the record in multiple categories. I mean, if you're hot for three weeks of a six-week season, you can end up with the most homers on the team just because nobody else had the chance to catch up. But well, I haven't added... Sorry to interrupt. Do we really only have six weeks in the season? Is that how the 60-game season is going to shake out? It's like eight, I think. I think it's wow. like eight. Eight or nine. Because that last week of July is like a half-ish. Anyway, um, but I have an added bonus to my pre-award, whatever we were calling that. I think there's going to be an inside-the-park home run by Tatis this year. I think it happens. He's going to push for why it. Not? he's going to. He already wants to. When he was on third in that first game, he was halfway down the line. He yep. wanted to steal yep. home so badly. You can see he, he wants to do something crazy every time he's out there. And I just think there's going to be a time where he legs it out and maybe it's a bad throw forced by pressure or something. But uh, I don't think he's going to have the most homers by a mile. I think it might only be by one or two. But I think he just goes off and gets hot 
for two, two and a half weeks, and that gives him just enough room to separate from Machado, who I think will also have respectable home run number. But that's I the love pick. it. No, I, I was even yesterday on that triple. He was. Um, I, I I saw them throw it home pretty quickly because they know. I mean, it, it, it's oh, yeah. if anyone tries to dive to catch a ball and it goes past them, like he's he's going home. Yeah, <laughs> for beautiful. Sure. Um, all right. That yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty legit if if Tati's got the lead. Um, it's got to have an impact on his Babbitt, one. right? Because his Babbitt is crazy high. Mm-hmm. I, I would have to imagine some of that plays into it, where they're playing a lot of balls on the hop. Because, like you said, if they try to dive and make the highlight oh, yeah. real play and they miss it, yeah. then he's yeah, gone. That's a good point. That's a really. Um, next one is called "I Can Wipe My Own Ass." <laughs> For fans of the movie Big Daddy, good old Frankenstein. This is the uh, the prospect with the biggest impact on the major team. Um, I'll go first because I don't think I've gone first in a while. So I think it's going to be Luis Patino, but I think it's going to be in the bullpen. Yeah. Oh, spicy! Oh yeah, yeah. So that's kind of I I I'm trying to remember who I had read and and. Um, but there was there was some talk in the organization of um, <clears throat> not permanently, but as a means of of getting him playing time on the major league team this season is is having him come out in a bullpen role for now, um, not now as in now now, but but when he does come up, um, and if so, I mean if he's only you know pitching thirty, if that you know twenty big league innings out of the bullpen, um, he can give us you know one hundred and ten percent on every pitch, and it will look absolutely filthy it doesn't even matter that he's only got like right now um <laughs> like he will you know I, I one of my one of my bullpen favorites trey wingenter went down with um and he was tommy john like last week he could absolutely fill that role um i mean we've got a lot of guys who could fill that role but as far as you know even just kind of similar kind of stuff uh you know patino could could absolutely could absolutely fill that role so i don't think there's a ton of room for the for for prospects to have an impact this season unless there is obviously you know if there is some kind of COVID outbreak, something like that, um, there's some certain guys that, that I have my eye on. But I think with things as they are right now, Patino for me um, is who I expect will have the impact, but in the bullpen. Uh, Tony, who's your guy? I will let you guys decide. Is it choice A or choice a B? A for me. I'm going to choose B to be a contrarian. <laughs> okay. Well, and now you got to choose. <laughs> let me get Ari in here. <laughs> hmm. I'll go with B simply because there's a stat I want to share about it that I think is fun. Um, Both of mine are, I don't know if they can even be called prospects because they're both on the major league roster already, but they're both new and very, very recently promoted. So I think they still count. I had Oliveris and Grisham as my two picks. Um, I'm going to go with Grisham just kind of building off of what Johnny talked about earlier. I think he really embodies kind of what this new Padres team is trying to strive towards, not swinging at bad pitches, uh, having good defense, especially outfield defense with a reformed outfield. No more Fran Reyes, no more Hunter Renfro, who admittedly did work on his defense a lot, but was bad at one point and was still playing. Um, Naylor has not been in the outfield, and now with DH probably won't be unless there's a, a someone hurting. Um, so I'm going with Grisham. I think he has a lot to show for this team. Uh, Kevin AC tweeted earlier today after he hit that home run. Trent Grisham shows discipline, uh, can be powerful. The man who is swinging at just 7% of the pitches he sees outside the zone just turned on a fastball 
in the zone and sent it 411 feet to put the Padres up 1-0. I was like stunned at that. Only swinging at 7% of pitches outside the zone is really crazy for someone so young, I think. That shows some serious plate maturity that is really good to see on a young team. If that rubs off a little bit on other young players coming up, on other prospects, on someone like Edward Olivares, I think you have a really uh, potent and good recipe for some good at-bats that we've seen from the Padres thus far, and hopefully they can carry throughout the entire season. So I think Grisham is my pick here, but under the condition that he brings back the stash, because the naked face is weird. Agreed. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I don't know if he's he's technically on... That's amazing. Oh, yeah, only 7% either. of pitches outside the zone is incredible for somebody that young. It, it seemed unreal. If it wasn't tweeted by the Padres beat writer, and granted, if he's wrong, that's his fault, not mine. But <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, wow, that's really something to consider. I talked right over you, Johnny. What were you going to say? Bro? Oh, no, you're good. I was going to say, yeah, I don't know if he's technically on. I think like with, with, with service time or whatever, he's not like technically on the prospect list. But no, I agree. I think he's... He's essentially a prospect. I mean, he's he's he never really played for us, and he only played a handful of games really last year. So, um, yeah, Grisham, I'm I'm high on him as well. I'm going to talk about him later as well. Uh, Joel, who is uh, your exciting prospect who can wipe their own ass? <laughs> this might be the boldest of my predictions. Whoa. I'm going to go with Taylor Trammell. Uh, a prospect who has got an insane amount of hype, but who struggled in his time at AA last year, which had a lot of Padres fans, myself included, sort of down on him when we first got him. But I'm warming up to this kid, and um, he has that stolen base potential. That I mean, you pair him with the speed of Tatis Jr., and we've got some ferocious <laughs> offense just in terms of you know being able to steal a lot of bases and just constantly be harassing um, opposing defenses. Um, and, and I think he could really lock down center field, where right now it's. The outfield is, is interesting because we do have a whole lot of talent out there. Uh, but at the same time, it is sort of patchwork. We're still kind of, you know, uh, plugging and playing a lot of different people, uh, going through a lot of different permutations of that, you know, who that outfield is going to be. Um, so it's it's definitely a stretch. It's something that I think realistically he's probably not making much of an impact this season, which isn't what you want to hear when you're talking about your impact prospect award. Um, but <laughs> with this being such a strange year, I think there's a shot that he ends up, uh, I mean, he is on the 60-man player pool, so there's a shot that he ends up with some big league time, and he makes the most of that opportunity and, you know, uh, makes the case that he needs to be, you know, permanently on the big league club and getting playing time. Yeah, he was my, he was actually my number two pick of who I was thinking of for here, so I, I, because he was, when I, I was thinking, like, if there is a lot of COVID cases or things, or if there is you know injuries i think he's the perfect guy to bring in um because he can essentially play all three outfield spots left-hander um you know almost major league ready i mean basically yeah he's got Um, basically a full season of double a ball for 2019 so he's still got some time left in the oven i would say but it's one of those fringe cases where you could make a case either way which is probably why he's on the 60-man pool i would love that that would be hype as hell and i hope that's right because that would be really fun (laughs) <laughs> these remaining ones are just terrible <laughs> um this one is called sorry i think i was i was in a dark place when i thought of this one this one's called don't make me get my belt which is who is going to be the padres fans whipping boy go grab a switch from the yard <laughs> oh my goodness let's see there we go um i did not do one for that shoot do who would like to start on that because i didn't 
I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm stealing Tony's thunder here. Um, my pick for scapegoat is Austin Hedges. He's picked up right where he left off from last season. Um, silenced any doubters as to whether or not he can hit a baseball. Um, he cannot hit a baseball, guys. He can catch one, but he cannot hit one. Um, it's bad. Uh, it, it's it, so. I mean, Padres Twitter, Padres Reddit can be very reactionary. Um, but I mean, Hedges has had four or five years now to, to get it together. It's not happening. He's a defensive wizard, but that's it. And I, I mean, you can make an argument that with a, a beefed up offense that he's got more of a spot to where he can sort of hide out. But I mean, you don't want to hamstring yourself now that we've got a DH. You, you still want to make sure that you're getting production out of every spot on that lineup. And it's Hedges is just a black hole. Um, of suckitude. I don't know what else to say. Like it's that <laughs> Simpsons get a bit where <laughs> Bart is so bad that he's starting to drag down the grades of the the students around him. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I feel like he's going to be the scapegoat this year, especially because uh, Eric Hosmer is on fire right now. But we can get on to that in a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, the choice is definitely Hedges. It's it's not even close. I mean, I know earlier I said that I was willing to chalk up Naylor's bad game to early season jitters. I'm going to completely contradict that and say that Austin Hedges has a passed ball per game thus far this season. I didn't realize that. He does not. Wow. He, so if he is not catching the ball and he's not hitting the ball, why is he on this fucking team? He shouldn't be. Even worse, he threw a pool party right before the season started. He has... In my mind, zero place. Zero place, zero reason. I am willing to take the defensive hit to have someone who can swing the bat. Even, honestly, I would put Ian Kins on this team to bat wow. before Austin Hedges. <laughs> Resurrecting and, the bit you killed an hour ago. And I believe <laughs> last season I said I hoped someone took a bat to Ian Kinsler's legs. So the fact that I am willing to put that body in the batter's box before Austin Hedges has to speak to something. It's just, it's not happening. Like you said, Joel, it's been long enough. It's not even like just the online fans just dogpiling now. It's like it becomes a problem when your manager prior to the season is like, oh, if you don't get on base, you don't have a place on it. They keep trotting out. And it's like, well, something, something is wrong here. It's just so bad. So incredibly bad. <laughs> There's nothing more I could say that, that hasn't already been said. It's perfect. Um, well, yeah, well, <laughs> there's so much that could be said about Hedges. Um, this is his sixth but, season, uh, by the way. So yeah, five full seasons to figure it out. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not in terms of plate appearances. He didn't have a whole lot of time in 2016. We can hand him that, but still. I, I feel like Andy was probably just like, hey, man, you know what? As long as you got good defense, don't worry about it. Hey, don't worry about what everyone else is saying. Just, hey, <laughs> Hedges you know, was guys probably like in uh, Andy Green's corner. That's why he's being kept around. Yeah. He was like the yeah. he was guys, number two. Guys like us, they don't know our names, but you know we're out there. We're, we're, we're on the front lines winning this game every day. I feel like that was Andy. Um, fucking no-name ass clown. Mine is actually, and it took me a little while to think of this one, um, a little off the beaten path, mostly because we haven't really seen him at all, uh, but I think it's going to be Zach Davies. <laughs> oh! And, yeah. So, A, um, because he hasn't been good ever, so there's that. <laughs> um, B, strong, we traded... Strong opening yeah. salvo from Johnny here. So, there are The good vibes from earlier in the fans. podcast are gone. <laughs> Yeah, they're gone. They're, they were gone as soon as the number of the day was 10. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, but yeah, so we haven't seen him much. We traded Arias 
for for um, for him and Grisham. And I know there's a lot of people who, myself included, who who were and are high on Arias. And I mean, even if Grisham does well this season, I, I still think Arias can be good. But we went from when we traded him, the talk was uh, coming into the season before spring training. We've got our final four figured out. It's Paddock, Lamette, Richards, and Davies. And we just have the fifth spot to figure out. It's Quantrill. And then now as we got closer to the 60-game season, they're saying it's a three-man rotation and we got a couple spots that we, we just might do whatever with. We're not sure. And I'm not sure exactly what happened between March and now that he lost his rotation spot. But he's lost his, very quietly, has lost his rotation spot but without even pitching a game for us. So he, so either they just completely changed course on what they're doing or he was so bad in spring training and has been so bad since coming over that they were like, you know what? Nah, never mind. You know what? We're, we'll try openers. Like, we might start you there. We might spot start you there. But, like, you, you've lost this rotation spot at this. Because that's what I'm, that's what I'm reading into this is like he's already lost this rotation spot um and really at this point if, if i'm looking at pitching it's between him and lucchese for who padres fans are going to be pissed off at and i feel like lucchese's at least been here and we we kind of have that hometown appreciation um davies is new davies we we traded a beloved prospect for um so even if trent grisham does well i still think there will be people who will be like what the fuck zach davies like you can't even throw it 87 and you're giving up bombs like and you know whatever like whatever's going wrong everyone's just going to be extra pissed off because we gave up Arias and the guy can't even hit 90 on them and those are things that baseball fans hate it's <laughs> a good call and so before i go in too hard on zach davies i feel like I, I feel a little bad bagging on him because zach davies sounds like he should perpetually be eight years old i mean with a name like that <laughs> It just sounds like a little kid. I, I don't. I can't be mad at him. Poor, poor Zach Davies. Poor little guy. But <laughs> so here's a guy. Here's a guy who his uh, K rate, his K for nine has been. Oh, his career K for nine is five point seven one. Oh my god. And to complement that, he has never had a WHIP below one point two. So mm. it's a pretty stellar wow. combination there. I mean, somehow he's managed to rack up 7.8 war. Maybe that's just because he played for the <laughs> Brewers. I don't know. Um, just sort of kind of hiding out there. But yeah, uh, I, I think that's an excellent, really well laid out scenario for why Zach Davies mm. would end up being the scapegoat. Yeah. Especially if Arias begins just tearing it up when he gets back from his COVID aisle stint, which knowing oh. Padres trade history is a pretty likely scenario. Trey Turner, Anthony Rizzo, to a lesser extent, um, oh, uh, I'm thinking of, not Jerko, but a little bit Jerko. But the, the, who's the other guy I always confused with? Jed Jerko. <laughs> oh man, Jed Jerko's, I mean, that's a pretty good one. Oh, 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 Trey Turner. Wait, did you say Trey Turner? I said Trey Turner. Um, who, oh, who's the other Jed guy? Jed Jerko. Yonder Alonzo. I don't know why I mixed those two oh, up. Oh, yeah. Mm, that's do. okay. And so those last two, that's they really okay. only rake against us, but I'm going to include them anyway. Still, yeah. It definitely counts. Johnny, you made a really good case. I When you said it, I was like, really? Why? And then the more you kept talking, I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> I can definitely see this happening. Zach Davies is in trouble. <laughs> uh, he absolutely is in trouble, and he's done seemingly nothing wrong. <laughs> but yeah. it, he, he well, might God. get there. <laughs> Yeah. I'm really excited to be here, guys. <laughs> Get the fuck out! <laughs> Cracking the belts. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, if we, I mean, if we really want to get ugly on this, um, Davies in 2019 
in 160 innings, 5.7 strikeouts for nine. Um, someone for the Padres in 20 in 2018 pitched 73 innings with 4.7 strikeouts per nine. It's one less than Zach Davies. Do you, do you guys know you remember who that was? Terrible pitcher in 2018. Had more walks per nine than strikeouts per nine. Oh. He was guaranteed oh, a bullpen favorite, spot, and then our, later our on lost memes it. on the on the show. Brian Mitchell. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> Brian the Missile Mitchell. Oh my God. One that's... more K per nine in twenty. Okay, so hang on. I'm mixing years here, but yeah, he had five point seven in twenty nineteen, and uh, oh. Brian Mitchell had four point seven in twenty eighteen. I need to correct myself from oh, earlier. His career K per nine terrible. is six point three six, not five point seven one. I was looking at his projections for twenty twenty by mistake. Oh, My bad. No, okay. They put him in a weird place. I don't know why they. That's like, also especially. That's also depressing. His projection is to go down. <laughs> is, is that what you're saying? Yikes. Yep. yep. I Yikes. don't like that. Don't like well, that. That is, and 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 I will say, oh no, there goes my there goes my uh, camera as I try and put my hat back on. Uh, so, because yeah, I'm looking at the career stats, and he had one decent K season in 2016. Um, that was kind of his 16 and 7. 17 was his breakout, but um, 16, 397 ERA, a whopping 7.4 K per nine. That is the highest that he's had by. 0.7k per nine and 7.4 yeah 7.4 was the best he's had other than that 6.4 5.8 not great not um, yeah so that's like rookie year mike soroka that, yeah. that was his oh peak. wow it, some more fun here um here's his fit by year 2015 oh, uh let's see 2015 fit of 3.81 then 3.89 then 4.22, then 4.39, then 4.56. Mm. Mm. That seems not good. That's not the right direction. <laughs> seems <laughs> less than not, ideal. Not what I want. Oh boy, mm. 5.43 Sierra. Yikes. Mm. I, I love some of the I love some of the stat names. Serious favorite. I am. Um, I'm fully very pretending curious. to know what Skill Interactive ERA is. By the way. <laughs> I look for a number that's around four, and that's that's how I judge Sierra. So mm, 5.43 yeah. is no, bad, I feel like, guys. Yeah, FIP, XFIP, Sierra, like all those. I'm like, I just go with that as I would ERA. I'm like, I'm assuming these are all the same. Hopefully. <laughs> I think that's the idea is to get them in terms of ERA, but yeah. Yeah. Good job, I'm, smart math people. I'm now very curious if Davies is going to pitch. I don't think they've announced it yet, but I am, I am very, very curious now because I had not... Uh, taken the full dive into his numbers yet and i do not like the dive i don't like the results Mm -mm. of this don't love it yeah i think he will probably be starting tomorrow um i think jesse agler today on the radio broadcast was saying he was expecting that one that's what they'll go with but we'll see maybe he'll end up having a killer first start but it just seems like even if lucchese has a tough season um he he might so Drew Palmer and spot start. Let's go. Um, or Cal Quantrill. <laughs> he just pitched today, didn't he? <laughs> huh? He just pitched today, though. He did. He did. He, yeah, he did. He, he won't do it tomorrow. I mean, he could. He's a superhuman, but, you know, <laughs> oh, here they, we they go. won't let him. The old Canadian player bit has been replaced, but never forgotten. Never forgotten. Isn't it great that my two favorite Padres are Canadians, Naylor and Quantrill? I don't know it's if fantastic. it's for the bit or it just happened to be that way. Yeah, I both. Neither but, do I. Uh, <laughs> All right, my next, oh good, okay. My next one is maybe my favorite, maybe the best. Um, this is called Daddy Left for a Pack of Smokes and I Don't Think He'll Come Back Player of the Year. 
Oh god, I made my camera fall again. You got so excited about that one. I, I got so height. excited. I've realized that my energy, like my my um my my spirit animal, if I want to be a, a a basic white girl, would definitely just be an excited golden retriever because like there's times <laughs> where I'm just like yeah, and then like things are just falling and breaking just because I'm excited and not really paying attention to my tail wagging. Um, <clears throat> But we're going to move on to our comeback player of the years, uh, guys who sucked last year and hopefully won't suck this year. I'll start, um, just because I, I saw it right there. Uh, so mine is uh, someone who we talked a little bit about earlier. Uh, I think it's going to be Matt Strom. Uh, he's sticking in the bullpen. Uh, I think they're going to use the bullpen a lot. Um, he has done traditionally much better in the bullpen. Um, I So I think the, the more that they kind of use, and, and they can use him a lot. I mean, they can, kind of like we were talking about with Pomeranz, Strom's almost like an extra lefty firearm, or firearm. Uh, he's got a firearm, but but uh, almost like an extra lefty fireman to have in the bullpen. Um, it seemed last year he would struggle around inning three or four, um, would start kind of flattening out his delivery. The, the the pitches would flatten, and it just wasn't. Um, after that, it just it just was not as effective, um, especially once it came time to the second or, or third time through. I think in a limited capacity this season in the bullpen, um, he'll have a much better year and 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 just look a lot better in comparison to to what he did in twenty nine. Yeah, I like that pick. Um, that's a solid choice because, yeah, I mean, he, he has had a lot of potential, and we've all on the show been really excited about Strom, uh, but it just hasn't all come into place for him yet. So um, I think it's a solid pick, yeah, especially in the bullpen role because, yeah, we, we've given him – we've ah, I don't know if we say, we've, we can say we've given him a fair shot as a starter. He's had, what, 24 <laughs> starts, uh, but it doesn't look like that's the place for him. So this, I think this will be a better fit. I agree. Um, I think he's going to do well. Um, so I, I, it's a solid choice for comeback player of the year. It's not the right cho- choice for comeback player of the year, but it's we'll, a good we'll one. We'll share who the right one is. <laughs> <laughs> so the right one. I can't. I can't take full credit for this. I'm kind of cheating because he's on an absolute ridiculous hot streak right now. Uh, I kind of alluded oh, to this yeah. earlier in the show. I think Eric Osmer is your comeback player of the year this year. Um, I don't know if somebody got in his ear and said, "Hey, stop listening to your brother for swing tips and you know, <laughs> come come back to us in you know modern day baseball and work on your your mechanics because you're a professional baseball player." But something is clicking for Eric Hosmer, and I think it's going to continue to be a good year for him. Um, he's not exactly following the on year off year trajectory that is uh, you know his sort of mo. Tony, I don't know how much of that you heard. I'm picking Eric Hosmer as you rejoin the show. Um, mm-hmm as my comeback player of the year. Um, but again, so I, I think he's uh, he's figuring things out. Uh, I think he's, I, I guess I hope he's taking more of a modern approach to his swing mechanics, something that he's uh, outwardly, um, I guess uh, he's been outspoken uh, about how he doesn't like to change those kinds of things. Uh, I don't know if it's a mental thing for him or what, but whatever is working, I think is gonna continue to work. Not to the tune of the torrid start that he's had, of course. That's not even in a sixty-game season. That's not exactly realistic. But I think he's, I think he's going to have that on year that we've been waiting for since we paid way too much money for him. There, I said it. <laughs> no, it's fair. I mean, that was it, when you were talking about the on year, off year thing. That was my my prediction, bold prediction last year was an amazing season for him. If I remember correctly, my absurd prediction was 330, 30 home runs, one hundred RBI. Um, and he, he he got that hundred RBI, so I was thirty three percent correct. And in baseball terms, that's great. Technically, Johnny, he had ninety nine RBI, so you oh, are zero wow. percent correct. <laughs> you are Josh Naylor, batting average, average correct. All right. 
Well, I'm going to go back and rewatch the season. I think they missed one. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I mean, I think somebody took Cosmo aside and was like, hey, hit the ball the way yeah. you're hitting it now, but aim for the sky instead of the ground. And let's just see how it works. Just see, just try it out. Just see how it feels. <laughs> they just put someone he really disliked, like a, like a cardboard cutout of them in like upper deck in right field, and they were like, hit him. <laughs> aim it at him. <laughs> they put him on top of the lights. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's like, oh, okay. It's going to feel like you're swinging for that guy up on top of the lights, but really, yeah. <laughs> just right. Oh, my gosh. Um, Tony, who is your comeback player? So I I think we made a couple of this player for last year. So, well, we'll see how it goes. Uh, <laughs> I'm picking Will Myers. I think there are reasons to believe that the problems that ailed him last year could be solved. Mostly uh, the crazy high... K percentage he had, especially during his slumps and the weird freak injuries that he just seems to gravitate towards. I think uh, the DH spot is a good spot for him. Uh, just kind of eliminates a lot of these weird outfield problems where you had like a. Uh, I know his ankle was ailing him, and then there was the. He. I mean, this one isn't fixed by the DH, but he like fouled a ball off of himself and had a weird injury with that. I just think kind of putting him in the DH, not moving him around any position because he's not playing a position, he's just hitting, uh, hopefully gets his mind right. And hopefully with the kind of change in mantra of batting across the board for this team, kind of being, hey, be more patient, look, see more pitches before you swing. Uh, hopefully that leads him to have a little bit of a bounce back. And all I want for Myers to have a, uh, a comeback year is just limit the injuries and just put up decent numbers. If you're just getting decent numbers, or honestly, even just decent at-bats from him. Um, I will say he was picked off today, and I won't... <laughs> I I fear the base running gas will continue, but despite those, I'm going for William Bradford Myers for my comeback player. Of the- and I think Joel has something pulled up that is going to absolutely crush my dreams. <laughs> So his K percentage so far across 13 plate appearances. <laughs> yeah, 13 plate appearances. So pretty strong sample size in the scope of a 60-game season. Uh, it's true. So it's definitely real. Uh, 38.5% K percentage. Um, I can say that his on-base has come up. 385 over 321 from 2018. Hey. His average is 111 hey. currently, which is, again, totally Whoa. real and what we can expect <laughs> for him for the rest of the year. Early season mm. numbers are so weird because like, his, his WRC plus is 144 because he's already got a home run. <laughs> And it was a three-run shot. Oh, yeah. There we go. Uh, How many walks does he have, Joel? So that's actually good. I was looking at that. Four walks, five Ks. 30%. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Honestly? 136 OPS plus. What? There you go. Come on, guys. Comeback player. (laughs) I like doing the Tommy fam, like, that picture when he's on the Rays and he's, like, at second base and he's like, what's up? I just like doing that all the time now. (laughs) Are they going to combine that with the chop? Just like... Yeah. Just start tacking them on. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys pick oh Strom and Strom Hosmer, Hosmer and Myers, which I, I like. I love that Myers one too because he he even sounds. I think Andy Green leaving, Tingler coming in, just that new manager. He already sounds better. Um, he he seems more engaged, and he also I was noticing, and I I wish I had my um my notes up here because I was trying to take notes from the from the first couple games here, but he has a new swing as well for this, um because he was a more of an open stance last year, and I saw him this year, and he almost looks like Ty France at the plate. 
Um, it's a little that bit really more closed well. off. He's a little bit more crouched. I know it's not. It's not I don't. I don't like that. As far as literally, just just the the stance alone looks a little bit. Um, he's a little more. Um, he's not a closed stance, but he's more closed off than he was last season. Um, and I, I didn't see too much other than that. But I just when I first glanced at it, on I think it was on his home run. Um, but yeah, different stance. Hopefully that bodes well. <clears throat> A oh batting stance similar to Ty France, I say sacre bleu to that. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Normal. A true, um, true dad joke if there ever was one. Just surrender oh, no. yourselves to Ty France. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Very good. So next on our docket here, our agenda. I don't have any fun names for them, um, but they're going to be, uh, they're just our bold predictions for the season. Um, just any, uh, any any wild ideas that we have that might happen this season. So, uh, Joel, why don't you start us off? All right. Uh, I only did one. I think it's big enough to where it'll be okay. I'm probably getting yelled at by Johnny after the show. Um, I'll, I'll be okay. But if you guys don't hear from me in the next <laughs> podcast, then send help. Um <laughs> So my bold prediction, ha, ha, I, uh, ha, ha. <laughs> I, alluded, I alluded to this uh, earlier in the show um, when I picked Pagan as my, uh, what was that? I forgot the fun name for that one, the reliever of the oh, year, yeah, you're, and you're um, doing great today. Got to go to the bathroom. Um, that, yeah, gosh. Okay. Uh, and that's Luke, too, my, my younger son. He's always the one that has to go to the bathroom, so I'm <laughs> embarrassed that I forgot the name for that one. But anyway, my bold, <laughs> my bold prediction is that Emilio Pagan is going to take over the closer role for the Padres in 2020. Um, that is the basis of why I picked him as reliever of the year. Um, the logic behind that is uh, Kirby Yates is 33 um, and he didn't have a full spring training. Uh, or I mean, I guess they did and then they had to stop and then come back and do the summer camp training uh, session. And I think that's something that's harder for a guy who's 33 to shut it down and then pick back up and um, you know have the same sort of effectiveness uh, that a younger uh, closer would have. Um, and I think Starting him off in this season with a tie game, a non-save situation, it's not boding well. Again, super small sample size in the early going, uh, but that's why it's a bold prediction, folks. Um, the way this works out uh, is that that shakes our, our boy Kirby Yates, and he doesn't have the the same sort of 40-save pace that he had. Last. I mean, no matter what, he's not going to go on that 40-save pace again. Um, <laughs> <That'd be wild. laughs> and so it's just sort of a perfect storm to where it shakes him, which is something we see pretty frequently uh, throughout the league, right, is that closers um, can have a harder time hanging on to their jobs than some other positions. So um, that's my bold prediction. Pagan is going to take over as closer sometime this year. Padres are hedging their bets on Yates. That'd be that'd be that that's that's bold. I don't know. That's all I can say. That's bold. <laughs> I love it. It would make exactly me very sad because I love Kirby Yates. But. Same, same. Yeah, I know. I feel like they're either decline or trade or something, but it's it's possible. It's bold. Were you gonna say something, Tony, or are you just ready for your prediction? I'm ready. Whenever oh, you want. Feel free. Mine is a double whammy, Whoa. and it is a prediction only fitting for this season because of the shortness and how funky all the stats are going to be. But my bold prediction is that someone on the Padres ends this season with a batting average of over 400 and a pitcher has an ERA under one for the year. I think, and I think you're looking at probably Tatis and who knows for pitching. It could be any of them, but I think with the reduced uh, showings on both sides Again, you only need to be hot for a little bit. Just get through just a little bit, and you could make it. You only need, I think it's like 60 innings to qualify for ERA. That's 
only maybe 10 starts, nine or 10 starts. All you need is a good infield defense, a little bit of luck, and you could get there. And I think we have a couple contenders with some luck who could get there. I think the stuff is there. I think the defense in the infield is mostly there, especially if Hosmer stops dropping some very catchable balls. But assuming he does, I think there's a fighting chance. And I think Tatis with the 400, you need a few things to be able to get there. You obviously need to have uh, good good plate discipline, which I... We'll see. He kind of strikes out a lot, but it's a bold prediction, so I'm going with it. Just glossed right over but that. He gets on. He gets <laughs> just stepping right over Moving that. Moving on. He gets on base a lot, regardless, and he can also hit home runs, which is important for having a high average. I think there's an outside shot if he doesn't get hurt, which honestly I think is the biggest um, detractor against him. I think he just plays so hard that there's a chance he blows up his hip sliding from third to home in one fell swoop or something so but that is my bold prediction over 400 under one on the Padres it looks less like less of a stretch when I look at his 2019 number so I mean because he did strike out almost 30 percent of the time 29.6k percentage but he still managed a 317 average despite that that's incredible yes so if he drops the strikeout percentage a bit but kind of keeps the other stuff in line maybe hits a few more bombs uh in terms of pace, not in terms of actual numbers, in terms of pace, it's not impossible. It's not likely, for sure, but it's That's not what bold impossible. predictions are all about. Exactly. Well, Johnny's got some real bold predictions. Oh, just wait. Just wait. <laughs> yes, this was the uh, the appetizer no. section. Oh, man, yeah. The, yeah, the awards. Here's the main course. I would say ours weren't even appetizers compared to this. This is like you're eating a snack while you're waiting in line to get into the restaurant. <laughs> It's like the palate cleanser, the pickled ginger that you eat between <laughs> pieces of sushi. Oh my gosh. I don't know, man. The four, 400 and, and, and ERA under one is pretty, pretty bold. It's also like pretty that. unlikely. Yeah. No, it's but still. Despite the best arguments happen. Yeah. It's a good argument. Um, all right. So I got I to, I will say a few because it's exactly three bold predictions. Um, first one, bold prediction, over 375 on base. Trent Grisham. It's going to be a machine this season. You damn machine. Um, Small round of applause. Yeah, wrote wrote that before the season. He's now at 500, so already put that one in the bag. I I feel like we can put that on the board already. I think Um, it counts. Yeah, he's he's probably good. Uh, So yeah, on base machine. I I think he'll have a really good season. Yeah, yeah. So that's not sounding super bold. I know. Yeah, I I think that's well. It's. Yeah, it's it's a bold young, prediction, mostly. but I think we've hyped it up now, so we gotta. That's true. <laughs> okay, well let me let's see what I got in the bank. All right, a player or manager will die of COVID. Whoa. <laughs> and I'm not talking a bench coach. I like a manager. A player or a manager is going to 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 die from COVID. Uh, because the Major League Baseball does not care, so it will happen. Um, that is my prediction. I put it in the middle so we would forget about it because I got a better one after. <laughs> I, I, it it sucks to say. I don't know if that's as bold as it seems, which is so sad. But I think it's important that you know you hold the feet to the fire of those responsible. And if yeah. MLB wants to push this ship through the burning fire ocean that is 2020, then okay, you have to live with the consequences though. And I think it's totally realistic that. That could happen, especially with yeah. uh, managers being older. And we have no yeah. idea what kind of underlying conditions they may have already. It's just, um, yeah, it is totally possible. And I'm sure they would handle it in the least graceful, most 
exploitative way humanly possible. Yeah. And you got to imagine, too, I mean, have any managers opted out for the season? I don't think I heard any of that on the news. We heard of some high-profile so. players, but it's just, like, it, it, it's hard enough for players to opt out. I mean, if you're high enough profile, you're fine. But I think managers yeah. are even, there's even more pressure to keep going because oh, I mean, yeah. it's way more replaceable. There is already a movement, there's sort of a youth movement in, in, in managers uh, in baseball today. So some of these older managers, I'm sure, feel a tremendous amount of pressure to continue to, to hang on to their jobs or else it's not going to be there when they're ready to come back when all of the dust is settled. Uh, yeah, I exactly. don't envy managers in the MLB at all. It's a really horrible spot for them to be in to try to you know force the issue and keep managing or potentially lose your job. And it's a not an outside chance to their job just because of the environment that we find ourselves in as far as you know younger coaches in the MLB. Yeah, yeah. I, I have zero faith in Rob Manfred. I, um, for the record, think he should resign. I think he's an atrocious commissioner. Um, and I can't believe that I miss Bud Seal. It is. I don't even Oof. miss him. I just like, like go back in time I to would, when. We had yeah. the Bud Selig, what do they call it? The Bud Selig Center at Petco Park yeah. oh, as a gosh. way to get the All-Star Game here. Right, the plaza And just or say, hey, you're yeah. going to miss this guy. Yeah, I know. And just imagine how you'd I react cannot. to that. Go, <laughs> go to the, what is it, the 04 um, All-Star Game or whenever it was when they, well, when they let it tie. end in a tie. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so I, I have no faith in the front off, in the, in the, the MLB front off, though. Uh, yeah. We'll see. Hopefully it doesn't come true. Uh, my third one. All right. Neither of those were really that bold, but this one, this is going to get... Bold prediction number three, Josh Naylor <laughs> starts a game in right field in the playoffs. Wow. Wow. Oh, there goes my phone again. <laughs> too, too bold too for excited. the phone. Too excited. God damn it, Golden Retriever. Calm down. <laughs> um, What's bold yeah. about this is not so much the playoff part, but the starting in right field yeah. over... Many other outfielders so that are many available. So people that could, could put there. <laughs> can, can you can you qualify this prediction, Johnny? Is it sure. because of injury, or is it just because he sure. is balling out so hard that you cannot keep him out yeah. of the line? So this is basically um, he's already had a good season, right? As I as I assume that he will because he's Josh Naylor, the, the, the triple crown masher, all but yeah. secured. Absolutely. Absolutely, ERA title also <laughs> to Josh. <Naylor. laughs> yeah. Who knew? Who knew? You wanted a two-way player, Tony. Um, it's Josh right. Naylor. <laughs> but if he does well enough offensively, um, I see no reason why we can't just switch him and Will between right field and DH, depending on if it's lefty or righty. Um, and so that's, I think, all he needs to do is do well enough defensively. I mean, excuse me, do do well enough offensively. Um, and if Will does struggle at all, which, which I mean, I hope he doesn't, but he has, um, then we do have another another lefty outfield bat. Initially, I was thinking that um, that Hosmer would struggle this season, before the season at least, I was thinking Hosmer would struggle, but so far he has completely proven us all wrong, which is great, um, so keep it up. Um, but initially, I was thinking maybe he'll get some starts at first base as a backup lefty hitting first baseman, but then um, Ty France, apparently. Um, so then I was like, all right, well, maybe just outfield and because i mean he doesn't even just based on how will myers has done the last couple years he doesn't even need to do all that much to be competitive um with myers for for you know at bats so um he looked massively he looks massively slimmed down um he looks even faster than he was before and if he can do well enough off i think he can he can if they're you know playing a a tough righty in a playoff game um you know, maybe slot him in at right field and put someone else's DH. I'm not sure. Someone. Can I can I interject here really? Oh quick? sure, because that's all I got. 
You mentioned Hosmer, and I'm just thinking, he's only played 50% of the games thus far. What if his weird, like, odd year magic is now changed into, he's good, but he only plays every other game? <laughs> <laughs> he has a weird condition where he just has uncontrollable diarrhea worse. every other day. The intervals are shortening. It's gone from every yes. other year all the way down to every other game. <laughs> <laughs> But when he plays, he's good. It's just you can only count on him up to 50% of the season. Never passed. <laughs> I mean, if he's hitting like that for, you know, 30 games, I will we'd take, take that. we take uh, it. Yeah. And then you, you back up, you know, put, put Naylor or someone else in there at first, and we're good. Speaking <laughs> That's of really how you get fun the platoon you wanted, Johnny. Speaking of really fun skewed stats, 0K percentage for Hosmer, 1.5 slugging, 479 WRC+. Plus. <laughs> he's already got... Uh, what is this? Uh, 3.5 offensive uh, war, I think is the name for that stat on fan graphs. That's obviously mm-hmm. going to change, but oh my goodness. Uh, 833 isolated up. power, <laughs> which is slugging minus average. Well, I'll be onto yeah. something here. We, we may have figured out Hosmer's secret. You cracked the code. The Hosmer code. Have- Johnny, were those the end of your bold predictions? Yeah, that was it. I just had the three there. I figured Naylor was the, was the, the boldest of the predictions. I'm just... Just looking at his minor league numbers in awe of how amazing. <laughs> I mean, wow. You're just looking for six OPS in in AAA last. Cool. I think it's a appropriate time to bring up that Johnny. I'm really loving the new wallpaper in your home. It's just seemingly a mashup of different <laughs> Josh Naylor photos that you've. I, I believe you photoshopped them together yourself. Is is that it's correct? It's all from his Instagram. And I bought a Josh Naylor fat head. So it's just like. <laughs> You have like uh, some votive candles and like a lock of Josh Naylor's hair (laughs) as a shrine. It's actually just a perfectly recreated Josh Naylor mustache from last season that Johnny has pinned up on the wall. (laughs) If it's actual size, you can put it on the fat head. (laughs) That's true. Oh my gosh. Really incredible attention to detail. (laughs) So you can stroke it. A lot of photoshops of us on the beach. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, uh, yeah, we'll see on that. I, I still believe in Josh Naylor. I don't think that, uh, I, I, I definitely don't think we've heard the last of him. And even though it's a very bold prediction, I, I could see it happen. Let's see. Okay, that's it. That's all we, I mean, I guess we do fatherly advice, social media. I got, I got some oh, fatherly man. advice. All right. Well, let's roll in to one of our favorite parts of the show and um, help everyone in this time of crisis. In these difficult times, we need some advice. <laughs> and that's why Dad's Talking Dads is here. We'll start off, Joel, with your fatherly advice since you have some. Yeah, so obviously this has to come with the disclaimer. Uh, I guess it'll become obvious when I give you the prediction, but uh, be careful in this COVID-19 environment. Uh, but my fatherly advice is uh, don't buy kids golf clubs retail. Uh, it's kind of a niche one. Uh, so my kids just got into golf. Um, I took them out uh, for their first round at a little par three course in the area on Saturday, and we had a great time. Um, that said, I've been shopping for them for like sets of golf clubs for the better part of probably six months now, and I just can't get over the price point. There's, it's like 150 to 200 dollars <laughs> for a brand new box set of junior golf clubs, and you get you get four clubs, you get a bag. It's it's pretty cool. It just it feels like it's overpriced. So what we ended up doing was we found one set at Goodwill for you know three bucks a club, um, and then uh, we found two more junior sets of clubs uh, at a garage sale for ten dollars a pop. And they're again $120 retail, um, and they're in—I I can't say they're in perfect condition, but they're not good enough. They're seven and eight years old. They're not good enough to need yeah. high-performance golf clubs. So 
um, if you it's a great sport and if it's something you want to get your kids into but you're kind of shying away at the price point of the equipment um, it takes a little time but uh, kind of scope out some of the garage sales I know a lot of those go on to like Facebook there's some Facebook deal pages out there now um, and then you know Goodwill thrift shop finds but again be very careful in this kind of COVID-19 world we live in um, approaching secondhand stores and garage sales like that make sure you're wearing your mask where you can um, but yeah that's my fatherly advice uh, secondhand kids golf secondhand clubs, golf clubs, clubs in general I'm down with that as a lefty though it's real fucking pain in the ass for me <laughs> it's true I, I don't think I've ever bought a new golf club yeah pretty proud of that <laughs> Tony do you have any advice because I don't yet <laughs> I do yes um, I think uh, people can probably tell from us on the podcast where we stand, if you will, uh, regarding COVID-19 and precautions to take and our general feelings about it. And we don't like it. it we, we do not like it. <laughs> we also do not like certain people in regards to it. Um, that being said, I know the three of us really love satire as well and work that can kind of uh, look at something that might be a little... Uh, problematic or sad or troubling or whatever and try to make some humor out of it so I am recommending an article on the Atlantic right now the title is simply I went to Disney World and it is a darkly comedic rundown of a journalist's trip to Disney World it is less factual so much as philosophical and <laughs> it is a oof, yeah, I know uh, Johnny we kind of chat here and there about what it's like in phoenix and how different it is from joel and i living here in san diego but you read something like this and you're just like wow that is another planet that i simply have no desire to visit and this person willingly did that and this is the result of their work it was an article called i went to disney world on the atlantic uh, a long read but i think certainly a good one if you have the tolerance for some darker humor i'm excited i'm gonna look oh, that one up I, today yeah I had seen a little something on Twitter about that, but I hadn't had a chance to read the article yet. So that that will be so. I mean, I've always said Arizona is basically West Florida. So I, if it's terrible in Disney World in in, in Orlando, I'm yeah. <laughs> You're not gonna hit up castles and coasters, Johnny. I think they're closed, like permanently. Like closed? not permanently oh, okay. for like COVID. Like they've been yeah, they've been closed. I mean, somehow yeah, somehow that is still open. Castles and coasters, um, if you're not familiar with Phoenix, is like it's kind of like Boomers or Family Fun Center. Um, but it is just in a not great neighborhood. Um, <laughs> it did, but other I don't than that... It, I don't remember it being that bad of a neighborhood when I was a kid, but it could have just been like, hey, I'm going to play video games and miniature golf and ride rides, so it doesn't matter where right, it is. Right, so you don't like the neighboring... It's actually, no, it's not It's not super terrible. I think um, it gets a little bit of a bad rap. It seems like more of an like industrial area than like a bad neighborhood. Center. It's It doesn't fit. It's jarring yeah. when you yeah, see it. Yeah, no, yeah, there's some... Yeah, that, that area randomly will just have some industrial areas. Um... Okay, so I, yes, okay, so I did think of a recommendation when you were talking about that, and um, it was one I was just thinking about earlier this week. I'm glad that I remembered it. I don't think it was the one that I gave on the last podcast, but um, I've been recently listening to this new podcast, uh, so I'm recommending another podcast on our podcast, which is kind of uh, a faux pas, shall we say, but it's not about sports, so that's fine. Um, it's called Blowback. It's about the... Um, uh, U.S. involvement in Iraq and the Iraqi war and the lead up to that. Um, so it actually starts back in the 70s. 
um, and kind of goes through all the major players, kind of what happened, where, to, kind of what happened to um, to get to where we are now, and um, it's just kind of it, going through the the whole history there and essentially how we uh, created this giant mess. We being the United States military, so I guess maybe not we specifically because I'm not a part of that, but. <laughs> um, but it's really interesting. It's 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 been a really interesting and entertaining podcast. Um, it's pretty funny. So it's called Blowback. Um, it's got the the image there is I think Saddam winking and smoking a cigar or something like that. Um, it's like a it's like an animated Saddam. But uh, yeah, Blowback podcast uh, should be available wherever you can find our podcast as well. And it's informative. And if you're a millennial like myself who remembers 9/11 but doesn't remember really a lot like I was I mean I was 13 when 9-11 happened I wasn't very politically minded yet until a good probably five or six years after that um and by that point we were well into the Iraq war um and I was too young to remember Desert Storm or anything like that so it it was a I really enjoy it because it's kind of teaching me about all the stuff that's been going on while I've been alive but I was not um you know just a kid I wasn't really watching uh, so yeah, blowback is my, uh, I guess, recommendation, fatherly advice. That is it uh, for the show today. If you would like to rate and review us, find us on or download or subscribe or any of those things, uh, you can find us wherever you find podcasts because we're there. You can also find us on social media on Twitter at Dads Talking Dads. Um, send us an email, Dads Talking Dads at gmail.com. Um, if you want us to, to discuss anything, have any comments, uh, concerns, if you're concerned about us, please let us know. Don't forget to subscribe, tell your friends, rate and review. Other than that, though, that is it for this week of Dads Talking Dads. I'm Johnny. I'm Joel. I'm Tony. Thank you again for listening. We will be back sometime soon with some more Padres talk. And as always, go Padres.